Welcome back to another seven minutes of AP World History because, hey, you have a lot to do and not a lot of time to do it in. Today, we are going to review for our next unit test. In this particular case, it is for Loyola High School, Unit 2 on Centralization of Empires. Now, please remember again, for College Board, this is Unit 3 and Unit 4. Okay, let's get started. So, this unit is really important because it talks about centralized empires. Now, centralized empires governed minorities. The Europeans at this time period were pretty decentralized, but by the end of this unit, they are going to centralize. And they're going to switch to a maritime empire system. And this gives rise to a new European system called mercantilism. Welcome back to another seven minutes of AP World History because, hey, you have a lot to do and not a lot of time to do it in. Today, we are going to review for our next unit test. In this particular case, it is for Loyola High School, Unit 2 on Centralization of Empires. Now, please remember again, for College Board, this is Unit 3 and Unit 4. Okay, let's get started. So, this unit is really important because it talks about centralized empires. Now, centralized empires governed minorities. The Europeans at this time period were pretty decentralized, but by the end of this unit, they are going to centralize. And they're going to switch to a maritime empire system. And this gives rise to a new European system called mercantilism. So let's start off with the gunpowder empires. The gunpowder empires at this time period uh, were the ones that expanded out, especially through the Middle East and India, and they were going to conquer numerous areas with minority groups. Now remember what we mean by that. These are ethnic, religious, and linguistic, or language groups. There were three models of how these empires managed minorities. The first was the Ottomans. So the Ottomans are originally the Turks. They come from Central Asia. They surrounded the Byzantium Empire over a hundred years and eventually defeated it and then spread out into Northern Africa. There they conquered people including Christians, Jewish people, and other Muslim people. So how do you deal with all these different cultures? Well, in a number of ways, and we can put this under what we call the tolerance system. So in the tolerance system, they would allow for local communities or millets to govern themselves. But they also had this process called Dev Shermi, which was enforced recruitment, or really kidnapping, uh, where they would take young boys and young girls and bring them back to Constantinople, okay, in their capital, and there they would train the young boys to be a part of the Janissary Corps. So that means they became Islamic. And then they eventually were military advisors uh, to, to the Ottoman Sultan. There was also the harem. Uh, young women were recruited in order to be wives to the Sultan. And remember, the main purpose of that really was uh, for the women of the different communities to reproduce so that there would be children from various communities that could represent those communities in the next Sultan. So this is known as a tolerance system because it recognizes uh, the local communities and incorporates them into the empire. Okay, second model was assimilation. This was done by the Safavids. Now, the Safavids were the main enemy of the Ottomans. They were Shiite. And their main leader that I want you to remember is Shah Abbas. He enforced unity by making the national faith that of the Shiites. Now, there was a significant minority of Sufis within the Safavid Empire, but they were oftentimes persecuted. So, in this case, it's assimilation because of the national faith that's created. 
Then there's the third model, and this is in Northern India. Now this is really important. Northern India is right by the Silk Roads. So this is an area that is constantly being invaded as well as traded along with Muslims. And at that time period, there was a group called the Mughals. And there's a reason for that name. Probably brings back the idea of the Mongols, right? Well, they're not really the Mongols, but there was a mixture of Mongol and other types of Central Asian groups. And that's why they're called the Mughals. They immediately formed the Delhi Sultanate. But eventually we get the Mughals, and the Mughals' main leader that we should remember is Akbar the Great. Akbar the Great, remember, is the one who created the divine faith, where he tries to mix all of the different religions together. So that included Islam, Hinduism, Christianity, under this idea that they all preached basically the same idea. Kind of worked for a while, although his grandson, Aurangzeb, was going to turn it around and start to persecute uh, the Hindu minority, or really Hindu majority, uh, within India. And that leads eventually to civil wars within India. Okay. Next up is Europe. Now, Europe at the time, remember, had been pretty decentralized. Why is that? They were decentralized since the fall of Rome in 496 CE. Now, there was a king named Charlemagne who tried to create nations within Europe, but didn't really work out all that well. And so most of the power went to local areas. That's what we call decentralization. And in fact, at that time period, the relationship was what we call feudalism. That's where local power was really led by landowners who would take in peasants and, and have them work for them on their land. The Protestant Reformation, though, is so important because when it comes along, it decentralizes power from the Catholic Church, but then re-centralizes under national governments. So now governments get to choose their own religious faith and they centralize around that. The reason for that is there was a war called the Thirty Years' War, pretty brutal, and at the end of that, there was a treaty called the Treaty of Westphalia, which established the national identity and religion of each country. Once that happens, European countries start to go out and explore, and they're exploring for a number of reasons, but the big ones I want you to remember is that they were competing against the Ottomans, external, and competing against each other, internal, especially when it came to Protestant countries versus Catholic countries. They started looking for a new trade route, Portuguese are going to find their trade route around Africa. They use new technologies like the Astrolab and the Compass. All of that comes from China through Marco Polo and the Polo family. The Spanish then utilize Christopher Columbus's ideas and they go west and they eventually are going to find the Americas. This led up to the maritime empires of Europe. So Portugal has their maritime empire leading out to India. Spain has their maritime empire leading out to the Americas. And eventually Britain and France are gonna join them and get involved in North America. And when they do, it led to a new economic system called mercantilism. You remember mercantilism, I always like to call global mafiaism. And the reason why is it's because nations would go out, they would get colonies for raw resources. They would take those raw resources and bring them back to make finished goods. But for what purpose? so that they could sell those finished goods and try to steal the wealth of other countries. That way they could invest in their militaries and go out and try to conquer more colonies. Now, it's not as if the people in all these lands who were being conquered just kind of rolled over and accepted it. When the Spanish went out and conquered the Aztecs and the Incas, they created huge encomiendas for silver production. That silver then went out to the entire world and became the currency that allowed for global trade to take place. But the natives in this region didn't just roll over and accept that. In a lot of areas, there were numerous different types of reactions to this. One was to create alliances. Anna Nzinga is a really good example of that in Western Africa. She created alliances between the different European groups in order to try to check and balance them. But the other way was to rebellion. So remember what we talked about with the Spanish? Well, in the Southwest, 
of America, um, what we are going to see is a rebellion led by a man named Pope that kicked out for a brief period of time the Spanish, and the Spanish are going to return. In the northeast of America, an Indian called Metacom, or King Philip, is going to rebel against the British. And actually, by the end of that rebellion, even though he lost, he killed 200,000 American settlers of British background. The Cossacks out in Russia are also rebelling against Russian expansion of that time period as well. Okay, so what are the takeaways that we can take from this unit to remember for our unit tests? Number one, land-based empires before the Europeans used multiple techniques in order to manage minorities. Number two, Europeans had decentralized, but then they re-centralized with European exploration and formed maritime empires in order to get raw resources. And last up, natives didn't just roll over and take this. They found new reactions against the system to try to bolster their traditional cultures that included alliances, and included rebellions. Good luck on your test. We'll see you in class. Okay, next up is Europe. Now, Europe at the time, remember, had been pretty decentralized. Why is that? They were decentralized since the fall of Rome in 496 CE. Now, there was a king named Charlemagne who tried to create nations within Europe, but didn't really work out all that well. And so most of the power went to local areas. That's what we call decentralization. And in fact, at that time period, the relationship was what we call feudalism. That's where local power was really led by landowners who would take in peasants and, and have them work for them on their land. The Protestant Reformation, though, is so important because when it comes along, it decentralizes power from the Catholic Church, but then re-centralizes under national governments. So now governments get to choose their own religious faith and they centralize around that. The reason for that is there was a war called the Thirty Years' War, pretty brutal, and at the end of that, there was a treaty called the Treaty of Westphalia, which established the national identity and religion of each country. Once that happens, European countries start to go out and explore. And they're exploring for a number of reasons, but the big ones I want you to remember is that they were competing against the Ottomans, external, and competing against each other, internal, especially when it came to Protestant countries versus Catholic countries. They started looking for a new trade route. The Portuguese are gonna find their trade route around Africa. They use new technologies like the Astrolab and the Compass. All of that comes from China through Marco Polo and the Polo family. The Spanish then utilize Christopher Columbus's ideas and they go west and they eventually are gonna find the Americas. This led up to the maritime empires of Europe. So Portugal has their maritime empire leading out to India. Spain has their maritime empire leading out to the Americas. And eventually Britain and France are gonna join them and get involved in North America. And when they do, it led to a new economic system called mercantilism. You remember mercantilism, I always like to call global mafiaism. And the reason why is it's because nations would go out, they would get colonies for raw resources. They would take those raw resources and bring them back to make finished goods. But for what purpose? So that they could sell those finished goods and try to steal the wealth of other countries. That way they could invest in their militaries and go out and try to conquer more colonies. Now, it's not as if the people in all these lands were being conquered just kind of rolled over and accepted it. 
When the Spanish went out and conquered the Aztecs and the Incas, they created huge encomiendas for silver production. That silver then went out to the entire world and became the currency that allowed for global trade to take place. But the natives in this region didn't just roll over and accept that. In a lot of areas, there were numerous different types of reactions to this. One was to create alliances. Anna Nzinga is a really good example of that in Western Africa. She created alliances between the different European groups in order to try to check and balance them. But the other way was to rebellion. So remember what we talked about with the Spanish? Well, in the Southwest of America, um, what we are going to see is a rebellion led by a man named Pope that kicked out for a brief period of time the Spanish, but the Spanish are going to return. In the northeast of America, an Indian called Medicom or King Philip was going to rebel against the British. And actually, by the end of that rebellion, even though he lost, he killed 200,000 American settlers of British background. The Cossacks out in Russia are also rebelling against Russian expansion of that time period as well. Okay, so what are the takeaways that we can take from this unit to remember for our unit tests? Number one, land-based empires before the Europeans used multiple techniques in order to manage minorities. Number two, Europeans had decentralized, but then they re-centralized with European exploration and formed maritime empires in order to get raw resources. And last up, natives didn't just roll over and take this. They found new reactions against the system to try to bolster their traditional cultures. They included alliances, and included rebellions. Good luck on your test. We'll see you in class.